Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Everybody, so good to see you. Come on, you're glad you came to church today. So grateful for you. Proud to be a part of this church family with you. Can we welcome everybody joining us online, our church family online, and those who are there worshiping with you? We love you. You're a part of us. Please know that. Well, we're continuing the series today on that I titled Churchology. I thought it was a clever name until I Googled it and other people have done the same thing. But I thought it was cool. Um, so anyway, it's called Churchology. And we've been looking at in, in the, the original foundation of the church. Last week we looked at what Jesus was saying out of Matthew chapter 16 about what is the rock. And we realized that the rock that Jesus was going to build his church on top of was actually the rock that represents the gates of hell, the strategies of the enemy enemy, the sin that, that was brought into the world that through, through humanity, Adam and Eve, as they submitted to the, to the seduction of Satan, they corrupted mankind, and that is what we are dealing with today. But the church of Jesus Christ is called by God to undo everything that the devil put into place, and I'm happy to be a part of that church, aren't you? That's what God's called us to do. That's where he's, he's anointed us to become that, and so if that's what he wants, we want to make sure that we're the church that gets him what he wants. That as he laid his life down for us, that we would understand that we do not belong to ourselves. Now for us Americans, that's a little hard. Because by golly, I'm my own man, I'm my own woman, I'm, I'm the, 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 the creator of my own destiny, the architect of my own you know, life or whatever one-liners we get from some other Christian positive thinking things. But the reality is this. Jesus has purchased you. So important we understand out of Acts 20, 28, it says this. He, meaning Jesus, obtained the church with his own blood. So he bought you. He purchased you. We are his church and God has set biblically in, in the word of God what a local church is to be. And so we are a part of that. And so I want us to remember that God calls us not to do our own thing, but he calls us to be what he's called us to be. He calls us to be the church that his blood paid for. He calls us to be the family, the individual, the, the person with the personality and the mind and the heart to be what he's purchased. And he wants us to walk that out. And I believe God will allow churches to, uh, to do their own thing because he gives us a free will choice to build their own churches and they can use maybe a particular leader's own agenda, but that will be a church that the gates of hell will be able to stop. But the church that Jesus builds is the church that plows over the gates of hell and keeps doing what God's called us to do, amen? So if, if we were to you know, check, check A or B, which church do you wanna be? All of us wanna be the church that we are called and anointed to be, to tear down the strategies of the devil, to destroy the works of darkness in our families, in our communities, to be the ones that stand. And so the reality is this, is that the enemy is scared to death of a church that's being built by Jesus. Because if we're being built by Jesus, the enemy knows we're coming after him. We're not going to allow him to meddle in our lives. We're not going to allow him to, to, to mess with our kids and grandkids and our, and our city and our neighborhood and our nation. Uh-uh, not on my watch. That's what the enemy knows. 
but you need to be a part of a local church. And that's something I will talk about as we get into the series. But a lot of people, I want to be used of God and I want to tear down the gates of hell. But I don't want to obey what the Bible says or be a part of what the Bible says of a local church. Well, if, if that's the case, and many people think I don't really need a local church. I can just live for Jesus, me and my Bible and whatever. You, you can be saved, yes, but you will never walk in the full authority and the full impact of a Christian who is connected to a body of believers the way the Bible calls us to be. That's a bigger amen. You're at church, so you can say amen to that. I mean, you, you obviously believe that, right? But I want us to lean in a little bit today. If we're to, to be the church that exposes the enemy's strategies, his lies, to set those enslaved by sin free, if, if we are going to, to do that, we're going to charge the hill. If we're, going to, if we're going to run up to the gates of hell to rip them down, we need to make sure that we are the people and the church that, that can actually rip down the gates of hell in our community, in our families, and in our lives. And so it's so important that we know that churches can grow. But just because a church is growing doesn't mean a church is being built by Jesus. You need to understand that. And it's important for us to understand that. Now, I know a lot of... Maybe pastors will say things like that so to make an excuse by, for you know, why their church isn't growing. Well, we're just being built by Jesus and those growing churches aren't. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is that you can grow a church, but it doesn't mean that it can tear down the gates of hell. The only church that can dismantle the gates of hell, the only group of people that can walk in full authority are those who were being built by Jesus. So what does it mean to be built by Jesus? What does it mean to be a church that, that Jesus calls to accomplish a purpose? What does it mean to be a church that, that is focused on making sure that Jesus gets what he desires? I mean, you can build a church on all kinds of stuff. Yeah, sorry, you can grow a church on all kinds of stuff. Common, common ground. You can, you can grow a church on, on a common ethnicity. You can grow a church around a certain style or a certain worship kind of vibe or, or grow, um, grow a church around how people dress. Or you can even grow a church around politics. Happens all the time. You can grow a church around building projects or around a community project or social opportunities. You can grow a church by Caribbean cruises for singles. I mean, you can do it. You can grow it, but the question is, is it being built by Jesus? And that's what we want. That's what we're committed to. And so we want to lean in, and we want to allow God to, to show us and direct us. And so we want to be a, a church, a people that's committed to do it Jesus' way. Amen? Last week, we all wanted to charge the hill, but we need to not get the cart before the horse. We need to make sure that, okay, we see that that's the vision. That's where we're going. It's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun. But the point is this. All right, first, Jesus, we want to make sure that we are who you have called us to be. We want to make sure that we are following what you want us to be. And so I did title this churchology, and the little subtitle is The Study of a Hell-Crushing, World-Changing, Life-Altering, Light-Shining, Bold-as-a-Lion, Unstoppable Church that's been purchased by the blood of Jesus. That is our destiny. That's our destiny, but we need to be committed to being the church that he's called us to be. We all want the hill, but let's make sure we are of the substance of that which can actually charge it. 
And so I want today to lean in and us to understand that we are called, yes, to dismantle the gates of hell. And we felt that last Sunday. There's no doubt there was a sense of God's presence and, and witness to that word that we heard from Jesus and that we, that we experience in our midst, that we are called. Yes, we want to unravel the demonic strategies of hell. We want to tear down the works of darkness in our families and our place of work. We want to acknowledge that we live in a world that's desperate for us to actually do that. We want to acknowledge and understand that we are the ones that are called to do that. Jesus didn't give that task to anybody else. He gave it to the church of Jesus Christ. He didn't give it to this group. He said the church of Jesus Christ is called to do this. He gave the nations of the world that are lost and hurting into our responsibility to reach and to serve. And we all do that differently depending on who, who God's called us to be and our, and our giftings and, and what he's called us to be in the body of Christ. So, but before we totally embrace and say, yes, that's what I want, let's first take a step back and say, but Lord, I want to be the person, I want to be the church that can do that. And so I want to look today at the type of church that Jesus builds to destroy the works of darkness. These are very fundamental things, but many times we can drift. And so my heart is to remind you today of the church, the biblical church, that we, we need to be committed to these things so that it will assure that Jesus is building us into the people that he wants us to be. And so the type of church that Jesus builds to destroy the works of darkness is number one, is a church submitted to God's word over their desires, their personal passions, or feelings. Hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. This is the, this is the type of church. Why? Well, Jason, I don't even know that because the Bible is very clear. The word of God is supreme. And we as a body, as a, as a group of people that say, this is my church, these are my people, this is my family, those, which is a biblical model of local church, that we as a church, as individuals and, a, and together are submitted to God's word over my desires, over my personal passions, and over my feelings. When the apostle Paul was in prison for the last time before he gave his life for the gospel, he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, he says, for a time will come when they will not endure. Everybody say endure. Who's the they? He's talking to the church. Timothy is a pastor and he says, there's gonna come a time when, when the people of God will not endure sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. To gather, to only listen to what believers itching ears. In other words, I've got a niche that needs to be scratched. I don't want to hear anything else unless it makes me feel good. And so it's interesting. Look at, look at the word that Paul uses to endure. Listen, this does not sound like a joyride. That's not what Paul's saying, right? He's not saying, hey, come on, there's going to come a time when people will, you know, he doesn't talk about anything. They will not endure. What is he saying? He's saying as a follower of Jesus, there's going to be times that you're going to be challenged with the word of God. There's going to be times when you're going to go, ouch. And the Lord's going to be like, yeah, but I'll help you. 
There's going to be times that our own desires, our own passions, our own feelings, well, I don't agree with that. And the Lord's like, I don't care. This is truth. And if you want to storm the hill, if you want to be used of me, submit to the word. And so this was happening even in Timothy's age and during this time. A couple thousand years ago, the same thing happened. In other words, I only go to a church that, that supports my agenda. I only, I, I only want preaching that, that allows me to keep living my life how I want to, to live it. And we have those types of churches all over. We have them here in Denver. We have them all over. But Paul was saying to Timothy, the pastor, hey, listen, there's going to come a time that churches will be rendered useless because they will not endure biblical Straight down the line, it says what it says, preaching. See, there's going to come a time that people no longer submit to the word. No longer say, Lord, I want this in my life. God, I, I, I don't want to tell you how I'm to live my life. I want you to tell me how to live my life. There's going to come a time. And that time has really existed. But we see it very, very prevalent today. And what's happened over the church in the last couple decades, and, and many of you who have, who have been around the last couple decades, and, and I have too, but some of you have been around longer, you're going you, to, as you've been following Jesus, you, you've seen these trends in church or in believers. So over the last couple decades, we've created, um, I, I like to call it a buffet-style Christianity. And really, we, we've created a, a, a designer faith, that we each get to design our own faith. How wonderful. I get to choose what I want my faith to be. And so we've adopted the Burger King slogan for Christianity, have it your way. It's all right, have it your way. Hey, this is Christianity, have it your way. Hey, this is faith, this is following God, have it your way. You don't have to go very far to recognize that is the spirit in which we, where we are as today in our world. So to have it your way. So Christians aren't living a hell-crushing, world-changing, bold-as-a-lion life because their faith was designed by them. And therefore, they don't have the authority of the one who can tear down the gates of hell. They have the authority of their own faith that they've created. Therefore, they are rendered useless because they are only seeking after that which approves of what they want God to be in the word to say. And so we, we, we take, we, we design our faith just kind of like if you were to design a, a dress for you women or a nice suit for you, like we, we want, we, we get to put it all together. And so we take a, a little bit from culture and we're like, yep, I'll make that a part of my faith. Some, some for the Bible because it's not faith unless you can at least quote a couple scriptures and apply that to your faith. Or some from grandma, thanks grandma, you'll take that. And some from my ethnicity or the leaders of my ethnicity tell me, no, that's what real Christianity, okay, I'll do that. Or an influencer, maybe you follow on social. Or we design our faith by our, our political affiliations. And, ooh, this is, and, I, and so then the world can't even separate. Is your faith your political association or is your political association your faith? Which one? I don't know. But you designed it. Is your ethnicity your religion or is, does your, is your religion your, I, I don't know. I've designed it as is your, you know, wherever, you, whatever you are. So we design our own faith. And so we create a faith that 
is sidetracked, a faith that is not anointed by God. We create a faith that brings division between your designer, my designer, what I used to design my faith, what you used to design, and it creates division all through the body of Christ. Listen, friends, the devil doesn't have to actually get after you. He just has to let us self-destruct. And so we know if we're going to be a church that's going to get after the hill, going to rescue the hurting and the broken, we're going to have to allow the faith giver to be the one who designs our faith. And so let me encourage you. If you're not in the Word every day, let me just encourage you to get in it. Read it. Five minutes a day, read it. Let it wash your mind. Let it cleanse you. Let it adjust your, your emotions and your attitude. Let it remind you, hey, maybe you shouldn't gossip. Let it, let it remind you, hey, listen, God's got a plan for you. Let it remind you of your identity and your purpose of who you are. Let it cleanse you. Let it, let it heal you. Let it cut deep in you. Let it transform you so that when you're marching up that hill, you're going to be like, this is what I've been waiting on my whole life. When we do it as a church, we're going to feel the pleasure of God. And so get in the Word of God. Systematically read through a book in the Bible. Look into the in Corinthians or Ephesians. And, and as you read something, you're like, I don't like that. Then be like, so Lord, help me to like that. I mean, all of us, let's just be real. Listen, the Word of God is to teach us and shape us. But as we submit to it, it gives us the authority to live the life we really want to live. David calls the word of God as, he, sa he says, the word of God is a light into his path and a lamp for his feet. So without the word of God in your life, friends, you will follow false lights and false lamps. You must understand this. I so appreciate my parents they part of the rules in the house, which it wasn't like legalistic, but it was just a, hey, have you read your Bible today? And my mom <laughs> used to say this, a chapter a day will keep the devil away. So go read your chapter. <laughs> and so it just became a part of my life. That is what we as a church, we need to be anchored to the word. We all know believers who did not live by the word. They, they knew it, they read it, but they also didn't submit to it because this is about submitting. Whose lives became disastrous. Many sat right in, in this room or sat across the street in the old auditorium. They knew the word, but they didn't live it. They sat in the very chairs that you're sitting in. Some of you right now can remember names and people because they drifted into the hazards of, of the waters of temptation without a rudder, without a sail for their life, because they, they didn't view the word of God as the compass for their lives or their feelings or where, they get their, or where they are to get their needs met as a follower of Jesus. They became shipwrecked, and that is devastating for all of us. There are people who desperately wanted to live a life of impact, wanted their families to be focused on Jesus, but they reserved a portion of their life. They reserved a portion of obedience. Lord, I'll give you 90% of obedience, but this 10%, that's mine. I get to do with my life what I want. And so they never charged the hill. All of us 
Let's just be honest. At some point in our life, we're guilty of reading the word and saying, yeah, I'll just go to the next chapter. I don't want to deal with that today. All of us are. But friends, it's about acknowledging that we're going to submit to it. And that God, if I read it and I don't, I, I, I see the contrast and my reflection, the word's reflection, that you are going to help me overcome this. So God wants us, God wants to use us, but we must submit to his word. We must be the people that he can actually use. John Stott, who's a pastor from the UK, says this, we must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our, our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. So the church that Jesus builds is a church that's submitted to the Word of God, that doesn't read the Word of God through my feelings, through my emotions, through what I want. They read it as how do I respond out of obedience to what I read. And a church that God uses to dismantle the, the demonic realm in our community and our families for each other, over each other, in our, in our city and around the world is a church that comes to the word of God and says, what do you want us to be? Therefore, we will respond and submit and obey. Number two, the church that Jesus builds to destroy the works of darkness is a church where the pastors and the teachers teach and proclaim the whole counsel of the scriptures. This is very important you understand this term of whole counsel. So a pastor that God appoints and is is set into place by elders and leaders in a church, as I was and as the other leaders in the church, are, are given an authority, not over people, but to serve people. You need to understand that. Jesus directly spoke to the disciples and said, hey, um, you're, not, you're not to lead like the Gentiles, like the, the, those who don't know me, where they lord their authority over. Listen, I know there are churches that lord their authority over, over the congregation. That is not what Jesus called pastors and leaders to be. He called us, if you're going to be great in my kingdom, you need to become a servant to the people. And so that is our heart. So what's the best way that for me as a teacher of the word of God and for you to understand, or the church that's charging the hill, what is active in our midst? Well, we need to know a pastor and a teacher are given by God the authority to speak from God to his people only as long, everybody say only. Only as long as they speak his message and unfold and unpack his words. Listen, you don't need my words, I promise you that. I don't need my words. I need my wife's words, all the women say amen. Okay. You don't need my words. You need God's word. It is God's word that will equip you to be what God's called you to be. It's God's word that will help you lead your family. It's God's word that will align your life. And it's God's word that will call you to be a part of a local body, a local church, that together we can do something great. And so a preacher and a teacher only to teach the word and explain the context and how it connects with the rest of the word, the whole council, and, and how we as the congregation are, are to live our lives together. For his purposes in the area God's called us to be. The, the, the biblical preachers and teachers are not to preach, now hear me for a second, theories. They're not to preach the what ifs. They're not to stand up and rehearse the latest theory. 
of the second spot on the left ear of the third leper that's referred to in Revelation. Like, it could be, but we don't know. There's nothing wrong with exploring that it's there because that's part of the whole council. But we can't, we, that, that is not what God's called a preacher to do, to give you one, one niche idea over and over and over and over and over again. That we, we, a, a pastor is not to stand up and just talk about his passion all the time. Listen, I, I, have, I have passions. Listen, I love world missions. I, I love the nations. I, I want all of them. I want God to somehow allow me to, to influence and touch. And, but guess what? Not everybody is called to that. So for me as a, as, a, as a pastor to stand up and always talk about, you better go, you better be a missionary, be a missionary, be a missionary, be a missionary. One, who's going to send them if everybody's on the field, right? We need to understand that God is, my job is to equip you to be what God's called you to be in your family, in your home, and for us as a church. And then to celebrate when you're walking in it. That's what we're called to do. So we, we can't build our churches or the teachings of the, of the biblical um, text that locks us into niches. That you don't, you don't, you, pastors who don't strive to present the whole teaching of the Word of God. There are pastors, and, and I, listen, I'm not, I love the church, I love pastors, I'm, I'm one of them, I'm human, we're all flawed. But there are, there are churches who, who direct people's resources towards the pastor's particular leaning. That, so, so, so instead of serving the body to be everything that God's called them to be. A pastor leverages the body so that he can be everything that he wants to be. Friends, that's, that's not how this works. And so it happens a lot. Someone's particular passion. Listen, if I don't present the whole counsel, the heart of the word of God, I am accountable to you. And I want you to know that we as a church are going to be, we're going to be anchored to the word. Because I want us to charge the hill together. And so if I present the word in a way that's not the nature of God, the spirit of God, nor the context and text of God, and, or we only stay and, and, and somehow, you know, everything comes back to, to, to this one particular area. It's like the, the pastor that almost every sermon, he talked about baptism. You got to get baptized, got to get baptized. He said, everything leads back to, to, to baptism. And someone said, well, what about, this, what about this passage in Isaiah that talks about the, the dove, you know, in the desert? He said, well, there's one thing that dove was looking for, in water. And so, therefore, you should get baptized. Like, everything always comes back to that. So, P Paul was talking about, he was defending his ministry. And he was talking what he had, uh, he had strived to articulate. That he understood that as a teacher of the word of God, you can be guilty if you don't present the whole counsel. This is what he said. He says, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. So how is it that he's innocent? And what's the all? It's the church, it's believers. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. It's easy to shrink. It's easy to shrink back and not talk about sexuality. It's easy to shrink back and not talk about finance. It's easy to shrink back and not talk about the call to world missions. It's easy to shrink back and, and not address these. It's easy. But when you do the easy thing as a teacher and a, and a pastor and a leader, you've got blood on your hands because you did not do your job. He says, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. 
And then he goes on to other leaders in the church. Be careful, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. In other words, you're working for the one who shed his blood for the church. Paul, speaking about pastors and teachers, says this, Colossians chapter 1, Him we proclaim, Jesus we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Again, the purpose of the, of the, of the teacher, of the preacher, of the pastor is to equip you so that you can be what God's called you to be. So for you to equip you, if God's called you to politics, you, you better get after it. We want to equip you to do that. If God's called you in business, you better get after it. We want to equip you by, by the word of God on how to do that. If God's called you to be in education, get after it. If God's called you to be in media, get after it. If God's called you to, to be, to be in, in social things and feed the hungry, then get after it. If God's called, that's our job is to prepare you to be everything that God's called you to be. That's the heart of this. That's, that's the, in your uniqueness, and your call of why God made you, why God shaped you. Hey, listen, listen. He, God's not looking for cookie cutters. He's looking for the people of God to say, I want to be what you want me to be, my family to be, my marriage to be. What do you want us to accomplish together? And so our, our heart here is to do that. So the teacher and the pastor of a church that's flipping the gates of hell on its head is a church where the word of God is proclaimed, not suggested, as a good idea, but proclaimed as the perfect instructions of life, and it gives life to you if you will receive it. It's the perfect instruction for families, for marriages, perfect instruction for our authority, perfect instruction for the church. The preachers of the Old and New Testament, they didn't suggest the Word of God, they proclaimed it. Jesus in the New Testament did not suggest, I would suggest that, no, he proclaimed it. The disciples were not martyred because they were suggesting some ideas. They were proclaiming the truth, and this is what God has come to do in your life. He wants to, he wants to save you, and they rejected that, therefore rejected them. They proclaimed it. And so it's, it's, it, when Peter walked out after the day of Pentecost on the southern steps of the temple, he began to proclaim the word of God. He proclaimed that and reminded them of their sins. And then he proclaimed that God sent Jesus as the solution and the provider for their sins. And then the Bible says as they were cut to the heart. Because Peter proclaimed the truth. Then the church was birthed. Then the church exploded. And the church grew. But it all happened because the word was proclaimed. The whole council was proclaimed. And a church that God uses to carry out his mission and his vision on the earth. A church that God uses to dismantle the works of death, darkness, perversion in our teenagers' lives that, are, that the world is after them. To dismantle the works and strategies of the enemy in corruption, in poverty, sex trafficking, addiction, demonic strongholds. The church God uses to heal, to add value to the hurting, to the broken, to the least, to the last is a church that is submitted to the word of God and proclaims it without apologizing, but does it in the spirit and the heart of the author 
of the Word of God, which is, is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the, it's the, it, the, the, fruit, of the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is, it is peace. It's kindness, self-control. It's not cranky and mean. It's important we understand not just the Word, but the Spirit of the Word. You have all Word, no spirit of the, uh, of the giver of the Holy Spirit, no fruit of that, then, then listen, you're going to dry up. All spirit and no whole counsel of the word being preached, you're going to blow up. That's what's going to happen. It's this balance of word and spirit, and we submit to it. So it's in these moments, though, that we make a decision to heal the broken. To, for us as a church to, to reach teenagers and to reach the nations and children's ministry and proclaim God's, God's word in our midst and for you so that you can be what God's called you to be. It's in these moments as we, as we stand on truth, as you stand on truth in your workplace and in your family and, and wherever it is that God has set you in place to be, you're going to face opposition because a believer who is, who is leaning or going towards the gates of hell that Jesus, we heard him speak of last week, is a believer that is facing some type of, some type of pressure. There's some type of wind that's blowing against them because the enemy wants to discourage you. He doesn't want you to be what God's called you to be. He doesn't want you to stand for truth. He doesn't want you to walk in your calling. He doesn't want you to, to live the life that is unusual today for people to follow Jesus, to lay it all on the line and get after it. He doesn't want your business to, to go to the place that, that, that God wants it to go so that he, God can use you in those people's lives in your business or, or, or the resources to fund the kingdom to do other things through your church. He doesn't want that. So as you start to walk it, you're going to get some back pressure. You need to understand that. And you're going to need faith. When there are times of doubt, you're going to need faith. When there's times of fear, you're going to need it. As you begin to walk in this, it's going to be maybe difficult moments that you're, you're, as you're charging the hill that you're going to need to be reminded, not by yourself, but with other believers. Hey, hang on a second. I got you. Hey, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I was, you, know, you were on my heart today. I'm going to share a scripture with you. Hey, I feel like the God's spoken this over your life. I just want to share it with you. You're going to need faith that's infused by other people. That's the point, the point of the body of Christ. You're going to need, listen, you, you need each other. When you're hurting, when something happens in your family and you don't feel like going on or when something's blowing up in your, in your, in your life and you're like, man, I, I feel so alone and I don't know if I have the faith to continue. Hang on a second. You've got a body of friends and family around you in your local church that said, hang on, hang on. I know you're hurting. I've been there. Let me tell you about this. But listen, God is faithful and will get you through this. Hey, listen, let me tell you what the word says in this area. And we build each other's faith up so we can keep striving and charging the hill that God's called us to strive towards and to charge up and to dismantle the gates of hell that are there. That's the point. We need the church, friends. God didn't call you to be a loner. Be, you know, God didn't call you just to be you and your Bible. Every, listen, it's, it is, it's what we want because we're independent. And not only we, we independent, we're Americans who so are independent. We're so independent. We, we live in Colorado where, we're, by golly, just leave me alone. Let me do my own thing. We're an independent here, aren't we? You're like, I don't know. I'm not going to answer because I'm too independent to answer you. <laughs> That's funny. But it's just a spirit of independence. But listen, church, we need the spirit of interdependence. 
with the Word of God and with the local church that he's called Faith Bible Chapel. It's us. We, we, we're called to be a family. You are a part of a family. And you need to know that. That we can bless and send out Jacob and Sarah as they're going to a, to a place that, that's going to be difficult. Hey, listen, listen, be encouraged by our faith. We're believing. We're praying for you. That strengthens. Our other leaders, Joshua Nation, what they're doing around the world. Hey, listen, I know it's tough. I know, I know you put, you're putting your, your neck on the line and you're working with all these people. And yeah, I, I, I know, I know. People travel the nation. I know, listen, you've had diarrhea for three weeks, but come on, stay in it. Don't quit. God's your provider. That's the local church. We build faith in each other. You need to understand that. When threats come, we build faith. Don't give up. We need a life-anchoring togetherness that's not built on me. It's not built on you. It's not built on a building. It's built on the undefiled and perfect word of God for our lives. And with that together, we will charge the hill. Amen. That's God's purpose for us. But we need a church family that's built on the word, not built on a, on a niche. It's interesting, a lot of times when I go to different churches and sometimes have the opportunity to speak, and I ask people, hey, why'd you, uh, why'd you come to this church? Because I'm curious what their answer is going to be. And, you know, listen, pe people come to church, well, I like their youth program. Okay, that's great. That's awesome. Well, I like this or... You know, I like it because they, they, you know, we do a lot of missions. That's great. But what really stands out to me when someone says, I, I go to this church because they teach the whole counsel of the Bible. And, and they do that in their youth ministry. And they do that in their missions program. And they do that in, 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 their, in their children. And they do that in their small groups. And they do that. So I wanted a church that is built on something that's perfect. And that's the word of God. That's the right answer. Any other answer is a, is, a, is a little, it's skewed to why we choose where, where we're going to submit and be a part in a body of Christ. Any other answer. And I challenge you today. I, I want your answer. Hey, why do you go to faith? Because, one, the pastor recognizes that Jesus is leading the church. Two, because the pastor and the elders and the leaders recognize that they don't really have a whole lot to offer people. That's why they give the word of God faithfully and they, do, and they preach the whole counsel and they, they want to equip us so that we can be what God's called us to be. That's a reason to choose a church. So my heart is you would know what we're called to be, not be, by me, but because the word says. Listen, we need faith to walk out these difficult hours and times that we're facing. We need it. You need faith. You need to, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to need the word of God to strengthen you. So Romans chapter 10 says this, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is the word of God that God builds us up and gives us faith. It's the word of God that if it says it, I believe it. It's the word of God that we anchor our life to. It's the word of God that we allow him to build us upon. It's the word of God. And so we, as a church, commit our lives to it. We submit to it, even though I don't always like it. Let's just be honest. We do wish we could highlight some things with the black Sharpie. 
But it doesn't work that way. If we're going to live the life that we all desperately want to live, we're going to have to have a superior truth in our lives than my feelings, than your passion, than my passion. We need the Word of God to build us up, to anchor us in faith. I'm always moved deeply out of Hebrews chapter 11. And we like the first half of Hebrews 11 because it tells us of all the great, the heroes of faith and Noah and Abraham. And, and then as you keep reading, it says you know, there were those who were delivered from the sword by faith. Then it says, then there were those who endured being sawn in two by faith. And there's this comparison of what sustained, what sustained the individual who died while believing? Faith, the promises in the Bible. What, what, what allowed this Noah to build an ark? Someone, hey, Noah, what's an ark? I don't know. Never built one before. But I'm going to build it. What's going to happen? Uh, stuff called rain? What's that? I don't know. Faith. And that was built on the word of God that spoke to Noah. The word of God builds in us faith. And so regardless of the journey God's called us to walk, we need faith. We need to hold on to it. And you can't build it by positive thinking. You can't build it by by naming and claiming it. You can't, you can't build it on your own will when pressure comes in. Let, 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 can I tell you something? Fox News is not going to build your faith. CNN's not going to build your faith. The events of the world's not going to build your faith. Let, just, it, your, your political affiliation's not going to build your faith. When times get hard and you're anchored to that, you're in trouble. You need, to, you need to anchor your life to something that is perfect, tried, true, will not fail. It's the Word of God. In that builds faith for you to keep being everything that God's called you to be. That's our heart for you. It's my heart for you. Be what God's called you to be. And when you face pressure and discouragement, anchor to the Word. Come and hear the word proclaimed as it builds faith inside of you. And let's be the church that makes sure that we are submitted to the word of God and we are in a place that proclaims the word of God so that when we get to the gates of hell, we can tear them down. That's what we need. And I'm excited as we lean into this series and allow things to speak to us. I'm going to take times, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to talk about our unity as a body of believers. That's, that's, that's going to be prickly for some of us. A lot of our identity is in what we don't like versus what we are for together. We're going to talk about what it means to be a family. We're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. We're going to talk about what it means to be part of a local church. There aren't things that I made up. They're in the Bible. We're going to talk about the gifts that 
Jesus gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be a lot of fun, but this first one needs to be our foundation, the Word of God. Don't live your life from a niche. Live it from the whole council. If you're upset, ask yourself, ask the word, should I be upset? If you don't like something I say, should, ask yourself, should, should I be bothered? If you don't, whatever it is, listen, we're going to submit to the word and God's going to use us to do something tremendous in the days ahead. Let me pray for you today. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our, in our midst. God, we recognize today that some of us in this room even feel, maybe, we have built our faith on a, on a niche. And building a faith on, on a niche, our designer faith on a niche, demands that everybody else is passionate about this one thing like I am. And if they're not, they don't really know real faith. God, if we have built our faith on a niche, God, forgive us right now. God, we want to celebrate the diversity of your body. God, I know that there are people in this room who are called to dismantle gates of hell in many different arenas in the world. And God, may we celebrate all of them and equip them to be that. And so God, today, evaluate my faith. God, if I have designed my faith through culture, through a YouTube channel, through a political party, if I've designed my, cult, my, my faith through something I heard somebody say, if I designed my faith because of any other reason than the Word of God and the truth of what the whole council says, God, then show me, reveal it, and today I make a commitment, God, to align my life with the totality of scriptures. And I submit to the word over my emotions, over my feelings. In Jesus' name today. Just remember with your heads bowed if you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus and you recognize that you don't know him. And you recognize that you don't have an assurance of eternity. That you realize that you are carrying a a deep burden of sin, and you want to be forgiven. Nobody is looking around. Every head is bowed. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, can you just raise your hand right where you are? Just lift it. God bless you. Thank you. Just raise your hand just real quick so I could see it. Just God bless you. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but we're all going to pray together. The Bible says if you proclaim it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you will be saved. Church, let's pray with those who have given their life to Jesus today. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me a new creation. I agree with what you've done in my life. I accept your forgiveness. And I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I put my faith in you. Do with me whatever you will. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.